Hello everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Blessed Feast of St. Lucy during this third week of Advent. Hope everyone had a blessed Gaudete Sunday with the rose vestments at Mass. And uh, welcome once again to OMB Reviews, episode 398 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight... We'll talk a little bit about Avatar The Way of Water finally, finally, <laughs> is going to be released after about 13 long years since the first film first released. And we are still getting some early reactions from media people who have gotten early access to the film. And there is, of course, a very clear coincidence, very clear tone that is similar amongst almost all reviewers, which is that it looks amazing... And then you get to the story. <laughs> and so far, the best that I've heard about the story is that, well, it's better than the original, kind of, is essentially what I've heard. Now, am I saying that there's not people out there who say they love the story and they think the story is wonderful? Well, of course, I'm sure those people exist, but I'm talking more about in general, you know, general talk, general realities, uh, the general consensus of, of the peoples. And as I said, it seems that the review I found last time, someone claimed that I was cherry-picking that review. It's like, well, if you were actually watching the video, and if you were actually watching the stream, and you were actually watching the conversation, you would have picked up that I had looked over others, but I felt that this one really spoke to kind of the crux and the core of the matter. I never claimed that there were no other reviews out there. I never claimed that there was anyone who said that the story uh, was was worse or was better. Again, I said that the reviews were pretty much all over the place, but what was generally being taken was what was, I think, perfectly summed up in that singular tweet from the last live stream. If you missed the last live stream, essentially it talked about to say that the effects were beautiful, the effects were amazing, the story was not as good as the original was the way it was worded. I just find it interesting that people are, you know, claiming that I'm cherry-picking things when they themselves won't actually watch the whole thing. It's interesting. They're cherry-picking my stream when I'm not actually cherry-picking in the grand scheme of things. But, hey, it happens. It's it's a part of, uh, of the YouTube life, and it's a part of the reason why if you ever decide to jump into the YouTube life, it's probably best to... Stay out of the comment section in general. But before we go any further, though, please make sure you smash that like button, not that fire button if you're watching over on Odyssey, and smash the rumble button as well. And we'll jump into the chat in a second. But we will also tonight be talking not only about Avatar, the way of water, and also be talking about how box office-wise, right now, Deadline is saying that the early projections for this movie have it set to make $525 million dollars in its global opening. So a half a billion dollars. So even if the box office sees a 50 to 70% drop, which is very likely when you have a massive opening like that, you typically see a massive We Too drop off, especially for films of this magnitude. But even if you get to that point, you're still looking at a movie that has a good chance of getting to 700 million. You have a chance of this movie getting to the amount of money that Black Panther Wakanda Forever has made in the past five, six weeks. Now, I do think, though, that there are some interesting 
things going on when it comes to the box office. Don't worry, I won't fall down the conspiracy rabbit hole that many people do when it comes to these things. I'm just going to talk about the raw numbers themselves, and and I'm going to show you just my own local theater and why I think it's showing us as to why the film is, one, set to make such a massive amount of money, and two, what does it actually mean for the numbers of people that are actually going to see the film? Is it actually holding up to the original film's release Or has there been a loss of interest? Has there been a loss of audience? And I think that you'll find the answer is a bit of both. But let's go ahead and say hello to the people. We've got over on Rumble, Kinkane Rumshki. Thank you for joining us this time, finally. Uh, He tagged to say, drinking wine tonight. I might even, I might be even funnier than usual, he says. Ah, well, you go ahead and enjoy. I will enjoy my nice, pure, cool water. Ah, this is straight edge life for me. All right, let's go over to the YouTube chat. We got Master of Gaming in the chat. Hail to you, Master of Gaming. Thanks for being here. Alex McCarthy, I did see your message. I, I did put a reaction on it. Very sorry to hear about what you're going through, man. Praying for you. Stay strong. You have been going through so many things, and you have been pushing and fighting through it, so I have no doubt you will continue to fight. Glad to hear it's not as bad as it could be. But obviously, I know that there is still a lot going on, so prayers heading your way. Grandmaster Yoda, what's going on? Welcome back. Thank you again for being here. It says, and awaiting uh, for a brain MRI for some time tonight. Been having a constant headache since Saturday. Well, I hope that the MRI comes back okay. Uh, again, he says that he doesn't have meningitis, but still has sepsis, which I know is is very, very scary. Um, UTI and kidney infection. So praying for your your speedy recovery, good sir. We got Snornapupus Cuber here saying, hello, humans and other quitters. What's going on? Keely Chow in the chat as well. Time to say, hey, how's Thor and how's the wife? Lady Freya is doing great. She got back from her trip. Uh, she had a lot of fun. Me and baby Thor got some time, some bonding time over the weekend. Uh, Sunday kind of went to heck, though. Uh, let's just say that uh, Sunday, not only did I have, you know, stay-at-home dad toddler going on, but also my, my poor little puppy Willow got sick. I think I mentioned this in in my video from the other day, from my box office breakdown video. Um, but little baby Willow, uh, I say baby, but she's she's by five now, um, which is insane when you think about how young she was when I first started doing YouTube. She had some type of stomach bug with, you know, coming out of both ends, uh, mostly coming out of her mouth, though. It was awful, disgusting. My, my room still smells. Wife ended up on her way back picking up one of these uh, Bissell, uh, not just the vacuum cleaner, but also like it, it's a carpet washer as well, carpet shampooer. So I'm going to have to try and do that at some point this week. Um, but yeah, so Sunday was, was crazy. So very happy to have the lady Freya back, uh, maybe Thor, uh, back, back went, went, was able to go back to daycare, uh, with his eyes clearing up. And, um, but apparently now he's going through that phase of, of, of not listening um, and we, we've had that, obviously, because he is a toddler, but now it's coming from school, and so, yeah, we, we had a tough night going going to bed tonight, which is why the, the link being shared was a little bit later than usual, but it is what it is. But thanks for checking in. Also, I see that you said that you ch- you asked Jane Theory if she was interested in watching and reviewing The Woman King with you, Lorena, and Stephanie B, and she said no. I'm not surprised by that whatsoever, because why would anyone willingly want to watch The Woman King? I actually started it, you know, the other day when I said, like, oh, yeah, I would only watch it if they sent it to me. I did start it. I got to the point where it said, like, West Africa, and and then I was like, I'm not really in the mood for this tonight. (laughs) So I turned it off. 
Uh, I have seen The Banshees of Anishirin, as you can see that in the title of the video. I will be giving a review of that film. Finally able to give a review of that film towards the end. Shout out to Searchlight Pictures for sending me a digital code uh, to be able to access that. Uh, it's really nice that they're in these digital codes, also including some special features uh, within it. If you get it through Movies Anywhere, for instance, there's a deleted scenes section, the making of section. I was almost through the making of section before the stream started, and uh, for this film especially, it's really, really good because there are some beautiful, and I mean beautiful, um, sequences, beautiful imagery because of where they are shooting uh, the film. Gary Bander Sandwich says, OMG, deep into the new show, so can't hang today. Kindred smash the like into a new show. Well, I hope that the show is good. I hope the show is good. Raffles, what's going on over on Rumble? Thank you very much for being here. Uh, again, if you have any comments or questions, no matter what platform you're watching on, please put at Odin at the very beginning of your comment. At Odin lets me know that you're trying to get my attention. Of course, you can send a super chat, hyper chat, rumble rants, whatever it is on whatever platform you're watching on. And that would be greatly appreciated as it helps to support the channel. And Lord knows I'll be busy crunching these numbers as we get into this weekend because a half a billion dollar opening weekend we haven't seen one of those in quite a long time and there's gonna be a lot of numbers to factor in when it comes to the film especially oh yeah that's right james cameron and his special relationship with china once again back into the discussion back into the fray and we'll talk about that in a second as well let's go ahead and say hello to some more people and then we'll jump into that first story input latency says hail and god bless Friends, today is a good day. It is. It is. Uh, definitely been struggling a lot last couple of days, though. Um, yesterday, when I got home, because it's exam week, I had extra time. I was trying to install outlets because my wife wasn't back yet, so I could turn off the, all the power in my house uh, without having to you know, interrupt her since she works from home. And it took me a good two and a half, three hours to get one of them working. It helps if I actually had you know, read the instructions or had any background in being an electrician, but was able to actually figure it out. Don't worry, I was very cautious and was very safe throughout the entire process. Um, but for one outlet, it took forever. The second one, much, much quicker. But I was not able to finish in time to get the third one. But that, that first one, it, it just it had me going. The way, the angle that I had to approach it, because it was on the ground, on the deck, outside. Basically, my house is on a hill. And so my backyard slopes down technically. So I have a, a back porch that's level with my, my main floor, but it's, you know, very, very high off the ground technically because of, of the hill. And uh, because of that, where the outlet was, it just was a very uncomfortable place. And when it wasn't working on me, it was, yeah, it wasn't fun. But I was able to get it done, was able to, to get it working. I was very happy to be able to, to use my hands and, and figure all those things out. Um, but it definitely did cut into a lot of, of the time that I was hoping to use on other things, unfortunately, uh, not, not being able to actually do so. Anyway, Orange Hour Views hailed to you, saying, Someone found a banshee. How are they still alive? They are an omen of death. The one who hears it is said to be the one who will die. Creepy. Yeah, and there's a lot of really interesting dynamics with that within the film. Um, you know, obviously, the film called the Banshees of Nishrin. People probably wonder, okay, what's going to go on with these banshees? And there's really not, you know, spoiler, there's no banshees per se in it, but there's definitely the implication of of banshees or of some kind of, not necessarily like, I wouldn't say ethereal, it's basically there's a character in the film who is meant to represent in many ways almost like a, a witch-like character. She doesn't do anything witchy necessarily, it's just the lines that she says can either be taken as to be the lines of a crazy old woman or the lines of someone who probably knows something. 
but it's a very, very interesting story. So glad I was able to watch it again. I think I've mentioned the first time that I tried to watch it, I fell asleep. And it's not because the film was boring or, or was bad. Quite the contrary. Having seen it again, I could tell you that it is fantastic. And when I started watching it the other day before before school, um, I was sad when I had to stop at 30 minutes in because I was like, oh, that's right. I forgot how much I was enjoying this movie. It's just, unfortunately, I saw the first time I, sh- I saw it was an 8 p.m. showtime after a day of work. And so I was like, I, I, I don't stand a prayer. I do not stand a prayer. Great Widow, what's going on? Welcome back to the channel. Luke Zilla in the chat. What's going on? Bruce. Hail to you. Thanks for being here as well. Kimberly G. What's going on, Kimberly G? Thank you very much for being here. Grandma Yoda says, 13 hours to Avatar. Hope I <laughs> not fall asleep when it's so long. Yeah, over three hours. Over three hours. It'll be interesting to see um, whether I can stay awake. I, I still haven't figured out exactly how I'm going to watch it. I think I might have to pull the old razzle-dazzle. It's the method that is oftentimes used by and embraced by Gary over at Nerdrotic. Where you get you get to tick, you get the ticket to the one to go to the other. But what's interesting is that it might actually be easier than I would have thought, um, especially with us being in the age where many theaters are reserved seating, and, and also because of some interesting trends that I found. So we'll go ahead and we'll we'll go into and talk about this 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 first story because I think that um, I think there's a lot of things that one can say about the box office for. There's a lot of not only just the numbers themselves, but also the implications of said numbers as well. So, all right, let's go ahead and dive into it. So from Deadline, as you can see, the headline, always got to love that rhyming, from Anthony D'Alessandro and Nancy Tartaglioni. So we got Nance and, uh, Nance and Tony, as I like to call them, from Deadline. They're both the domestic and international respectable. Uh, respectively, <laughs> domestic international box office breakdowners of Deadline says Avatar The Way of Water looks to dive in with half billion dollar plus global opening weekend. It says here, and so it begins 13 years after Avatar arrived in theaters, conquered and continued to conquer the global box office as the highest grossing release of all time with $2.9 billion before you adjust for inflation, in which case other films go into that category. That's a very important topic. Not to mention, of course, it also is... Um, important and relevant to talk about the number of tickets that would have been sold because those films that because of inflation end up going up higher than Avatar. Also, the reason why is because they sold more more tickets as well. Now, of course, I think inflation does a good job of being able to compensate for that, but it is interesting nonetheless, right, that we oftentimes don't hear those, those nuances, those nuances to the discussion. All right, it goes on to say, uh, James Cameron's Avatar Way of Water, the sequel to his triple Oscar-winning 3D sci-fi movie, arrives with a global outlook, as it says, $525 million in what is Disney's widest global release ever at 52,000 screens, surpassing that of Avengers Endgame. Is anyone surprised by this? I think not. Uh, broken out, that's $175 million on the high end in the U.S., Canada, and $350 million overseas. Some tracking has the way of water at 150 million domestically, and if the movie arrives at the low level, it's not the end of the world. Read why further down. Oh, tease! Such a tease deadline. The offshore tickets sales are composed of 250 million plus another 100 million from China, always the variable market. So they are projecting that China is going to get 100 million dollars for this movie. Now I have a couple of questions already. From this. So obviously, Disney back on good terms with China, back on good terms given the Communist Party there, uh, you know, millions upon millions of dollars at the very least, 
So that that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, wait a minute, there's two things currently going on in China. And, and really, you can only believe and have either one or both of these narratives be true. On the one hand, last I checked, there was a... a, a <laughs> There was a little bit of a strife amongst the peoples of China fighting back against their government for their restrictive COVID measures. So you have that going on at a pretty decent level, right? The protests going on. You then also have China trying to implement very strict COVID measures during this time of the year, especially, right? Where we see these increase in just general flu and sickness and, you know, these various ways. And also, of course, China wanting to keep control. So if even one or both of those are true, this $100 million makes me scratch my head a little bit and say, okay, so is China going to actually produce people buying tickets to go see it? Or is this going to be one of those scenarios where we say, is China being accurate with their reporting? Because as I say, I don't like to dive down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, especially when it came to the, oh, they're buying tickets nonsense. But I've always said with China, right? We can't really trust them in general because of the CCP. And why would we trust anything from a bunch of communists who want to make things look better than what they are and who already, as we know, lie to their people about how things actually are by limiting their searches on Google, by teaching them in state state schools where they're they're taught propaganda. It's within their nature, the Communist Party that is, to be able to, let's just say, play loose with the details, play loose with the actual data. So it does make me wonder. That does make me wonder. However, Deadline is projecting 100 million from China, and if that were to happen, would I be surprised? No, I would not. As I said, since Deadline first announced screenwriting team for the sequels in 2013, the 20th Century Studios movie has survived a huge public merger in Disney's takeover of Fox and a rotation of studio executives who shepherded the film. A great touch of irony is how Bob Iger, who orchestrated the Disney Fox merger with the Avatar franchise being one of the many spoils, recently returned as CEO. Oh, how convenient. You remember that Sony's Spider-Man No Way Home decimated its projections last year. Sony predicted the domestic opening for the Marvel Studios title. Again, I think that's a little bit disingenuous. It was a Sony film in conjunction with Marvel. Uh, to be 130 million, the town called it 175 to 200 million, and the movie came in at 260. Now, I think a lot of that is because certain things started to leak online, confirmations. People were actually excited to go see the film to see whether or not what was being leaked and what was being talked about was going to be true. And then when it turned out to also be a darn good time in the theater, guess what? Boom! You have a movie doing quite well. Not the same story necessarily from what we are hearing about Avatar The Way of the Water. We are hearing from some people who are saying, it's a fun movie, it's escapism. Good friend of the channel, someone who I do a podcast with every month, or or most months, John the Flick Flick Flickinger, he got to see an early screening of it, and he loved it. He also loved the first movie. He says the story is a little bit better, but he also doesn't want to give spoilers away because he says he has some issues with the story, but it would have to reveal spoilers. So it's, again, one of those, the story's good, but maybe not that great. So essentially, oh, it's all visual effects. That, that, that's why you go. You go for the spectacle of, of CGI being thrown into your face. And 13 years of James Cameron career being thrown down the drain all to work in Pandora. That is the general consensus. It looks beautiful, but the story, oh uh, yeah, well, the story's, it's not terrible, uh, maybe it's not as good as the first one even, but you know, that's not where you're going to see the movie. And as you all know, that drives me crazy because a good movie has all of the things. 
good movie actually has good visual effects, has a good story, good characters, etc. If this is just going to be three hours of, hey, when this gets released on 4K or 8K and you have a high-end TV, this will be your reference disc. It's got to be more than that. But I think that a lot of people are equating beautiful visuals and I'm going to get lost in this fake world of CGI noise as somehow equating it to being good. Now, just because you enjoy that, yeah, there's nothing wrong with you enjoying that kind of experience, but to equate that to being a good, well-made film, entirely different. But, again, we are seeing some pretty interesting numbers here nonetheless. This then also goes ahead to break down here. If anything, average ticket prices are going up for average for Avatar Way of the Water this weekend. Check out the average ticket price weekend from last weekend versus the various formats. So this tells you what the average ticket price is. Now, I do want to make it clear that we're not talking here about prices being raised arbitrarily. We're talking rather about the prices themselves because of the number of showtimes and that Disney, because this is what Disney does, forcing theaters, if they want to have their film to have a certain number of premium shows, raises the average ticket price. Let me show you what I mean by that, all right? So this is my own local theater. This is the current showtimes for Friday, and I want you to notice a trend. Okay, you've got an IMAX 3D showing at 11.30 at 4 p.m. You then have another IMAX 3D set at 8.30 and 1 a.m. You then have a 3D showing at 12.30 and 2.30. You then have more 3D showings at 5, 6, 7, 9.30, 10.30, and 11.30. Wait, more 3D showings at 1.30. Oh, wait, what's this? Oh, here are your three non-3D showings. At 3.30, oh yeah, that's a great time on a Friday. 8 p.m., decent. 12.30 a.m. So the average ticket price for this film is much higher because, as you can see, significantly more 3D showings, plus the IMAX, which again, you're, you're talking here about, about a crap ton of money, right? You are looking at all of this and you are seeing, okay, this is what it is meant to say the average ticket price is higher. So then we go back to, okay, this film is set to make over $500 million in its global opening. But then we remember, the average ticket price is higher. So just because this movie is making a lot of money or is projected to make a lot of money does not mean that more people are going to see this than other films. Because that average ticket price being higher means that you can get a higher amount of money for less people. This is something that I know Valiant Renegade has been doing a great job breaking down on his channel. Shout out to Valiant Renegade once again, because one of the things that he focuses on a little bit more than I do are the actual uh, ticket numbers themselves, the actual number of people and the differences in ticket prices over time. And I think there's a lot of value to that. It's just not really my own cup of tea personally. But I do think it's relevant, especially when it comes to movies like this, where you're going to see some pretty big numbers. But what does that mean about actual audience, right? What does that mean about the actual audience that is going to see this movie? Now, let me go ahead and show you something else in relationship to these numbers, all right? Obviously, I'm checking something real quick because um, I didn't know what was going to pop up if, if I did. So here is the earliest showtime, all right? This is the earliest showtime. The Thursday premiere is at 4 p.m. The IMAX 3D. 
This is my biggest theater. Notice there are still a large number of seats that are available. Okay. That's the 4 p.m. showing, all right? What's the primetime IMAX showing? All right, that's that, that's that 8.30 number, right? All right, let's see. Okay, a little bit more full, but there are still seats that are available. Okay, so again, it's probably going to do pretty well, right? Because all of these, guess what? All of these tickets are like, what, 20 bucks? Just about 20 bucks? And so therefore... You see, okay, those are where those films are currently looking at. All right, let's see a prime time, let's do a 6 p.m. 3D showing. Let's see, oh, okay, well, no one's going to see that one, essentially. All right, let's see maybe the 725 showing. Oh, bigger theater, still not a lot of people going to see it. Okay, now let's see about the 2D showing. Oh, let's see, there's a 305 earliest 2D showing. Let's see how this one is selling. Not a single ticket. So again, this is this is for this Thursday. The first 2D showing, the earliest showing of this movie. Not a single ticket has been sold for it. Okay, let's let's go prime time. Let's go seven o'clock. Right, that's that's prime movie going time 2D showing. Yeah. That's five tickets right there. That's five tickets. So the point of all of this is to say, you're going to see big numbers for this movie, right? We've, we've already looked at the, the projections, right? They're, they're projecting it to make half a billion dollars. I've also mentioned this several times before. You have to recognize that every single market is going to be different, all right? There's going to be some markets where this film is going to be sold out or close to sold out. Also, there are a lot of showtimes. So if you were to put all of those showtimes and all those people within those showtimes together, you might actually get a sold out screen. But notice which showings had the most people. It was the IMAX ones. And it's really because when it comes to the modern day moviegoer, most moviegoers who are like the hardcore going to see it opening night are the type of person that they're film goers. They care about the films. They care about the film experience. They want to see it and experience it in the best way possible. And there is a huge audience for IMAX, specifically IMAX opening. That's why if you ever look at any major release and you look to the first prime showing for an IMAX, it's always going to be very well sold. You then look at some of the comparable, you know, the comparable 2D showings or 3D showings of other films, and you start to see that it's not nearly as much because there are people who just, again, want to have the biggest and the best. They're like, okay, well, if I'm already going to have to spend $15 on a ticket, I might as well spend the extra five to get the bigger screen and to be able to get the theoretical, you know, theoretically better experience. Because, again, James Cameron is going to want to push people to see this film in 3D. And how do we know that? Not only because he's said that, but also because if you look to the actual showtimes, right, the vast majority of the showtimes are in 3D or in another format. Again, going to the Friday ones once again, look at all of these IMAX 3D showtimes and then only three 2D shows. So, what does this mean? Three hours and 12 minutes. You can only have a certain number of showtimes per day. So obviously having all of that money per ticket is going to be able to make up for any of the, 
lost audiences. But as I just pointed out, what we can say, though, is even though these numbers are showing themselves to be quite high, especially in comparison to other big films the last couple of years, Spider-Man No Way Home was brought up, right? We also recognize there seem to be a lot less people for this one. And so I think there is a lot to be said for the average ticket price having a big impact on the total number of people going to see the film and also that the number of people going to see it is likely going to be a lot less than what the numbers would otherwise indicate. I end with this last part here. All right, a couple last things. One, here's a gem for you. Original Avatar to re-release in China from Monday ahead of Way of Water. They are trying everything to build up buzz for this movie, even in China. Ahead of the rollout of The Way of Water in China, the original Avatar is getting a surprise re-release in a limited promotional run from tomorrow locally and will include an Easter egg for local audiences. The remastered 4K HDR version is so far expected in up to 80 cinemas. China has steadily been opening theaters as zero COVID restrictions have eased this past week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They've eased this past week, you say? How convenient for that to happen right before the release of Avatar. Set to be a, a massive box office juggernaut. Could it be that China is being motivated here because Disney has contacted them saying, hey, you may want to lift those restrictions because we're going to give you, again, because China gets 75% of the ticket prices, 75% of the ticket receipts from this, for those that have forgotten. We're going to guarantee you millions upon millions of dollars, but the only way that's going to work is if you're not as restrictive. So as I said, you had... COVID lockdowns affecting the box office for a long time. You had new lockdowns that were starting up just over the past few weeks. There were newer lockdowns happening. You had massive protests happening. And now all of a sudden, all this seems to be going away to make way, make way for Prince Ali. Only this time, it's Prince James Cameron. This version of Avatar, the biggest film ever at the worldwide box office, before you adjust for inflation. That is Hitting China Monday is not the same one as the one that was released on March 2021. It's rather more akin to Avatar reissue that went out to 50 offshore markets in September to set the table for Way of the Water, employing the Cinity technology. The Cinity Cinema Cinema format of 3D, 4K, and high frame rate is a high-end technology developed by China. Okay. At the Cine Europe conference in Barcelona last June, laser-powered solutions firm Cineonic teamed with Cinity to present four never-before-seen scenes of the film. Ah, China is a massive market for Avatar. The original film made over 200 million there back into back in 2010. The 2010 2021 reissue saw another 58 million. China remains a swing on the opening way of water this week. Pre-sales are robust, but cinemas are just coming back online, and there's some concern about new COVID cases and the public sentiment about returning to crowded spaces. Something tells me that that probably won't end up being a factor, seeing that they are <laughs> they are putting down their restrictions just in time for Avatar as it debuts technology that was developed by them, of which they are going to get money from as well. So, you, you want to get the gist about Avatar The Way of the Water? Okay, 
Uh, yes, I'm saying the way of the water on purpose. I know that's incorrect. Okay, what you're going to get is James Cameron's wet dream, essentially. Pardon, the, pardon my language. But you're going to get James Cameron putting 13 years of his life into Pandora, into trying to develop this technology to, to, to try to create reference quality material without actually focusing on any story. And if there is a story, it's going to be always secondary to the effects, especially when you have a three-hour and 12-minute movie. Lord knows an hour of it at least is going to be just nonstop. Ooh, look at the pretty images on screen. Consume product. Consume, consume, consume. That's what James Cameron has become. All the while, working with the Chinese Communist Party, all the while guaranteeing millions to support the Chinese Communist Party. And I will never let that go. Critics, on the other hand, 84%, according to the current update on Wikipedia, 84% of the 123 critics are positive. Average rating of 7.3. Interesting how there's always a difference there, right? The consensus says, narratively, it might be fairly standard stuff, but visually speaking, Avatar The Way of Water is a stunningly immersive experience. Where have I heard that before? Oh, wait, that's right. The first Avatar film, and a lot of the people who have talked about this new one, saying it's standard at best, and worse than the first one, Metacritic, which is his weighted average, assigned the film a score of 71 out of 100 out of 45. Slant Magazine, Keith Ulrich praised genuine thrills provided by its pioneering pageantry, while noting the perversity of preaching for a small environmental footprint, footprint with a production this inordinately large. Ah, there it is right there. So there's environmental messaging once again. It sounds like, and I think uh, John the Flick Pick actually confirmed this, he basically said the story is a rehash of the first film. It's a rehash story-wise, almost beat for beat in certain respects, according to him. So it sounds like we're going to get Pocahontas Part 2 with slight variations, just with a lot more money thrown at it, and with even more visual effects being thrown into your face that you won't be able to fully experience unless you go to see it in its 3D high frame rate, high frame rate formatting so will the film make a half a billion dollars this weekend I think it will as I said I have my issues you can very clearly tell I've got issues with Avatar 1 Avatar 2 I'm dreading having to sit three hours through watching it but again as someone who does review movies I do feel like I am compelled to give an honest assessment of what I actually see versus what I have heard from others. Remember, I am that person that read the first Twilight book, not because I wanted to, but because when I wanted to badmouth it, I wanted someone to immediately say to me, well, how would you know? You haven't read the book, or oh, well, have you even read the book? I would say, yeah, I did, and it was trash. That's the kind of person I am. I like to back up the things that I say with data. And when it comes to talking about movies, one of the best ways and forms of data is to actually receive the film and to actually <laughs> and to actually take it in. So again, I I want the film. Again, internally, subjectively, I want this film to fail. I wish this film was a massive flop. I wish that this film sent James Cameron packing and that we never saw an Avatar film ever again. Because I don't care for these massive 
oh man, new technology with no story. And it sounds like that's what we're going to get every single movie. Look at all the new technology, no story. Minimal story. Story is secondary. Blah. Nonsense. But that's subjective. Objectively, no, this film's going to make money. This film is going to make half a billion dollars. I, I buy that number. I think $500 million, easy for this movie. This film making a billion dollars by week two, three, very likely, very possible. Range right now, I'm still thinking $1.5 to $2 billion. It's going to depend on what that week two drop off is. China, do, do I think that we could potentially see massive numbers from China? Yeah, I absolutely could. But we'll have to wait and see. Because as I always say, I want to see the actual numbers themselves, break those numbers down before anything else. Because remember, this film, according to reports, I don't care what James Cameron says. What I care about is what is actually being reported. This film cost roughly $350 million to $400 million production. Taking into account typical standards, that means the film needs to make at least a billion dollars to break even. Some would say it's higher because marketing is likely higher for the film. Again, I don't like to get into the nuance of that because when you take into account additional marketing costs, you have to then think, okay, but are they getting any tax credits? Are they getting any other type of credits for you know, you know certain types of product placement, etc.? All of those things have to be factored in too because those can reduce the overall cost. You have to take all credits, all cost, and and bring those together. And I don't have the time or patience or or brain power or even probably access to get all that information. So all I can do is just work based off of the actual standards. This film needs to make about a billion dollars to break even. I think it does that in about two to three weeks, personally. We'll see what that week one to week two drop off is going to look like. But the film is set to be a massive, massive box office hit. Doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it's good. At all. The first film, as it kept mentioning, first film is one of the highest grossing films of all time. Still a terrible film. But again, even though I dislike the first film, and even though I'm predisposed to dislike this one, keep in mind, I go into movies open-minded. It may not seem like it, but I went to go see a film. I wanna, this is the first one that came to my head. There was a film that Spike Lee did a few years back called Black Klansman. And it's a Spike Lee movie. All right, I, I go into that film thinking, okay, I'm probably going to hate this because there's probably going to be politics everywhere. I remember when I did the review for that film, and I was surprised even by myself. I loved almost every single second of that movie until the last five minutes when Spike Lee decided to cut words on the screen with images of... Trump speeches and MAGA and basically try to tie these different elements together. It was a great movie all the way up until that point. I was digging it. I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be one of my favorite films of the year. Oh, and here comes the political messaging that has now just soured everything because you realize the entire time he's building and building and building, it's all to set up to this really bad conclusion. So <laughs> I have the capacity to go in and to be objective. But I do also admit my biases up front. And it's no surprise and it's no secret that I am not a fan of James Cameron and what he has been doing and how, in my honest opinion, I think he is dumbing down movies. I think he is dumbing down movies, dumbing down the movie-going populace 
And my my basis for that is look at what happened after the first Avatar film came out. What did we get? We got massive, big-budget blockbusters that really weren't all that very good, that got massive IMAX 3D, 3D releases. Remember, 3D was everywhere. And then eventually, people started to realize, oh, okay, I can only take so much of this. I need a little bit more meat to these movies. Guess what's going to happen again after this film makes a lot of money? As much as it pains me to say that this film is going to make some pretty decent bank. Uh, Unless these wheels fall off. Again, if the week two numbers come in and we start to see like massive atrocious drops, okay, change the story. I don't think that's going to happen though. That's a big if. I'm thinking we're going to see a a massive drop off only because a 500 plus million dollar opening is a massive opening. But anyway, let's get back into the chats. Bright Burns started to say, I've been wondering, should James Gunn and Peter Safin throw the baby out with the batwater while retooling the entire DCU? I I honestly think that everything needs to be retooled. I agree. Obviously, if I had to keep just one thing from the old DCEU, it would probably be Henry Cavill, only because I think that he's just an awesome person. Um, If I had to choose a second, it would be the Shazam franchise. Because Shazam, in my honest opinion, Shazam, the first film, was the only DCEU film that I had any desire to watch again. It was the only one I had any fun with. All the other ones were just CGI fest crap. Anyway, just another red shirt. Hail to you. Thanks for being here. JKDBuck76, the worst Jedi had good effects, but a crap story. Exactly. I even admitted that. I said, hey, I can say, I can actually say a positive thing about The Last Jedi. When they show you the 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 hyperspace ram, right, which let's get, let's let's move past the story problems with that and, and the unrealistic nature of that and how it breaks canon. But the visualization of that was gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's beautifully rendered. Kudos to the team who worked on that image because it looked fantastic. Still was a crap movie, and it still, as again, that one that one moment had something so beautiful in that image. So beautiful in that image, and yet, because of what it implied, and how it broke so much of the canon prior, and made everyone prior to that moment look so stupid, because it's like, wait a minute, wait, if we can just hyperspace ram things, why don't we put droids into X-Wings, and then just have them go hyperspeed, uh, hi- go hyperspace through these different things? Oh, wait, that's right. We can't talk about that because that shows how stupid this entire thing is. Oh, man. Anyway. Hardwick, tag to say, I found out that the uh, infamous Indy 5 plot leak is not only proven fake, but came over a month after the teaser trailer was leaked from D23 back in September. I posted the evidence in Discord. Yeah, I saw you tag me in it, bro. I don't care about leaks and rumors when it comes to that kind of stuff. I stay away from that. I, I let other people run with the rumors because I've seen other videos say that there are th- that there's a lot of things that have actually been proven. So, again, I don't care for that kind of nonsense. Jesse Bailey, what's going on? J.S. Pena. Ahoy, what's going on? Fear of FEMA in the chat. J.S. Pena, time to say, I recently watched John Carter this past weekend because of uh, people saying how badly it flopped. Despite a few things I liked, I can see why it flopped. Your thoughts? I can... So, yeah, my thoughts are, I understand completely why it flopped. However, I actually enjoyed it. I did not enjoy it enough to where I would want to rewatch it. You know, it's not a film that I want to watch over and over and over again. It's a film that maybe one day in the future I I, I will rewatch. But it, it is not a film that I think should have done as badly as it did. 
it was very poorly marketed. And what's interesting, too, is that the CGI, though not good, is definitely a lot higher and a lot better quality than a lot of the other stuff that we tend to see. JKD Buck, what's going on? He's removing comments, apparently. Uh, General Wingster, what's going on? Gmonkey76, hail to you. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. JKD Buck says, My son wants me to take him to see Avatar 2. Is it wrong to sleep during the movie? No. I don't think that's wrong at all. Um, I would say, do you think that a nap is worth the 20 plus dollars or so that you're going to be spending? It's just a thought. Um, so maybe if you, maybe you can bring a book. I don't know. I feel like there's got to be some better way to use your time. Echo Base, what's going on? Welcome. Uh, JKD Buck says, the G-Monkey. Dan Crane, who is a member, says, Hail and Merry Christmas to Odin, the family of Odin. Day 17 of Advent. Absolutely blessed Advent to you. Uh, we continue to do our Jesse tree um, and our, our candle lighting and, and reading of scripture and reflections. Uh, great book from Eric Sammons, uh, who, who has an entire book on the Jesse tree, and it's, it's very, very well done. I'm sad, though, because the Jesse tree that I have does not match up with the ornaments um, I bought I bought the Jesse tree off of a shop on Etsy because I wanted to support um, you know I, I like supporting Etsy when I can like the the local creators on Etsy and it's beautiful it's a beautiful handcrafted set but it doesn't match up at all um, and I did not know that there were different versions of the Jesse tree apparently there are but yeah Tubu and we what's up over on Odyssey thank y'all for being here all right Rumble let's see what's going on on Rumble let's see if anyone tagged me over there. Um, I do not see tags. So, oh wait, King Kane Rumshki, I do. Is St. Lucy the one who crushed grapes with her feet and sold Vita Vita Benjamin? No, that's Lucille Ball. St. Lucy is an early church martyr. And uh, one of the amazing stories that we have from uh, the martyrology, um, or rather just more of the history of St. Lucy, she was a martyr of the church, is that one of the tortures, one of the things she was put through was her eyes were removed and they grew back. Or rather, they reappeared. Again, I think it's pretty amazing stuff, but... Your average patriot nerd, what's going on? Welcome, hail to you. Thank you very much for being in here. J.S. Pena says, what Banshee are you talking about? A movie, The Banshees of Anishirin. It's a film... Uh, that I've mentioned on the show before as a, a film that I have not been a, I was not able to review because I had fallen asleep because I did not <laughs> have myself prepared for the film. Um, watched it today, though. Or rather, started it yesterday, finished it today, was much better prepared for it, and uh, loved it. Hardwick, tagged to say, Have you seen Darby O'Gill and the Little People? It's a great movie about leprechauns and features a banshee. It was one of Sean Connery's first movies. I've only heard of it because of the Sean Connery connection, but I've not actually seen it. Jackie Box says Nirvana album cover. Ah. Oh, we were talking about with the swimming. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Box says if they show Avatar 2, the Chinese will weld themselves into their homes to avoid the movie. Or vice versa, the, the, the Chinese party, the CCP, will force people to watch it and then say, look, it made hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm, 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 mm. Scott McKenzie, what's going on? Nathan Slay, what's going on? Welcome back. Victor Fontaine in the chat. Come fly with me. Nathan Slay, so does this mean you're taking a shot at John the Flick Pick? No, 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 no. Um, l- let, me, let me be very clear. I love John the Flick Pick. 
He is my co-host on the podcast that I do for Patreon, Subscribestar, and Locals. Um, but we we have this back and forth. Every time Avatar comes up, I always roast him for his opinions on Avatar. Um, so it, it, it's a shot amongst friends. It, it's it's not a, a personal shot. But what his review did was it just reconfirmed everything that I thought. I mean, this is a guy who loves the first film. He re, he has rewatched the first film several times, and it's not because of the story. He's admitted he loves the visuals. So if you're someone that loves new technology, loves visuals, and you want to spend three hours looking at visuals, hey, this might be the film for you. doesn't make it a good movie. As I said, if we're talking about, if this was a three-hour reference cut for what we can do with technology now, okay. But this is being supposed, this is supposed to be a narrative film but when the narrative takes very much second place, second second place, second fiddle to the effects and doesn't really serve them, I got issues. Ruben Christopher Haynes is a member. What's going on, Ruben? Uh, am I blackpilled to say that Hollywood wants you to see Pandora and make you depressed about your own life? I see people using the film to sell climate change as we using Pandora is their heaven. Well, I will say this much, um, Ruben. It's an interesting concept because... We do see, right, according to what these reviewers themselves have even said, that there is, and this was true of the first film, right, that apparently there is, once again, another environmentalist message being pushed. So, oh, wait, Fern Gully. Yay, Fern Gully's back. I'd rather watch Fern Gully. We've had this talk before. Baddie. Toxic love. So many reasons, Tim Curry, to watch that over this. If, if, if you want to be preached to, you might as well have it with song, you know? With Tim Curry and Robin Williams. But I digress, as usual. When it comes to this, though, I do think it's interesting. Yeah, they are creating a world that some people are becoming... And this has happened with the first film, right? People became depressed when they realized that this was not the real world. Well, what's the new technology that's being pushed? The new technology that's being pushed is, hey, great reset, right? Hey, you will live in your pod and eat the bugs and you will be happy and you will own nothing. You saw a little a little glimpse of it with Ready Player One, right? Ah, the VR experience. You can live in these worlds pretty soon. With, again, think about the development of the technology that James Cameron has done. Pretty soon, you'll be able to live or, or experience as close as you can to living right through as an avatar in a video game, right? But it's, it seems and feels real to escape the, the bad, the negative of the world around us. Whereas I'm over here like saying, how about instead you spend those three hours outside or with family? Or if you like watching TV shows and watching movies like I do, doing something else like making rosaries or doing something else productive. But I do think that there's definitely, I I do think there's something to be said for it. Chris Rose, what's going on? Welcome. Uh, I, I actually will say I do enjoy IMAX. However, I only see films in IMAX because I am an AMC A-list member. So, <laughs> Andrew Hayes, what's going on? Welcome back. Uh, yeah, it was Valiant Renegade. He also does box office stuff. I will say, we have different methodologies when it comes to breaking down the break-even point. We disagree. Respectfully, but vehemently, we disagree on break-even points. Um, and I, I, feel like, I feel like we're bound to collide. Not in like a negative way, but like... In the the projections of what the films will make, 
The charting that I use is is pretty accurate. But he also is able and has pulled financial data from theaters to try to break down what the actual give and take between theaters and studios are and, and how it's changed with COVID, uh, how it's changed with these new deals. So I, I think that at some point we'll probably have a merging of the minds and come to some type of an agreement. Because I think we both have a lot to... I think we have a boat. Oh, yeah, we have a, we both have a lot. I think that we could share with each other, that we could learn from each other. I've already learned a lot just from him, just by paying attention more so to tickets and ticket sales versus the actual number, uh, the actual uh, the actual cost. Andrew Hayes, time to say families are probably waiting for either near Christmas or waiting for Disney Plus for Avatar two. I would say yes and no to that. It would make sense for the holidays. I think the holiday season will be very generous too. This movie, and that's why I've been saying it with Black Panther as well. Some people have said that's silly, but I think Black Panther still has enough to eke out eight to eight fifty million uh, worldwide. That that that's like my final projection for that movie, and that falls within that range I had had. Um, but since this film is coming out, right, this is my exam week right now. It's coming out at the end of exam week. Lots of other schools are going to be off officially this Friday. Next week, you're going to have a lot of people off for part of the week, the entire week, because Christmas will be that next weekend. So there are a lot of factors leading to a perfect storm of this film to do well, simply by being the only skin in the game for having a massive marketing campaign. And as we mentioned, by also being such, having such an impact and the, the, the people of influence behind this project, like Cameron and Disney, being able to influence the Chinese Communist Party, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, to lift conveniently some of the strictest lockdown measures right as the opening of this film is coming. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, Orange Hat Reviews, who's a member, says if they also want to get more money for Avatar, they can re-release the Ultimate Collector's Extended Edition on digital and 4K. I'm pretty sure they will get money from that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because again, there are hardcore fans of it. Some of them are in this chat. And if that's what you enjoy, great. I, I have questions, but hey, I love you. Father Christopher Miller, hail to you, Father. Had to pop on for a short visit to say ahoy. Just saw Violent Night this morning, and wow, Father, going to see Violent Night. Yeah, I just uh, finished watching The Banshees of Anishirin just uh, about an hour ago, probably at this point. <laughs> Let's see, Father says, never had a desire to see the first Avatar, so I guess I won't see the sequel. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Don't waste your time or money. Odin with the PG-13 language. Shame, shame. At least I'm PG-13 with it. <laughs> General Winkster says, so when Avatar 2 succeeds, can we name Avatar 3 the colors of the wind? I, I think you can already do that. I think you can already do that. And yeah, again, I think that we can absolutely say, uh, based on these early estimates and based off of what we're finding out about, as I said, having all of this and having the knowledge that China is reopening literally in time for this movie to release and it's because they're, and also the technology that is being employed by this movie was developed by China. There's a lot of connections here to be made. JK Buck, when will James Cameron realize he's done already? Uh, he won't. He's got another, what, 10 years of Avatar movies to come out? The original plan, keep this in mind as well. If you want to see 
how bad Disney is as far as a company right now? Remember how originally the plan was to do... Because Avatar was already have should have already come out, actually. Remember? Now, obviously, COVID threw a wrench in things. But the original plan was you were having a Star Wars movie, Christmas one year. Avatar the next year, Star Wars, Avatar. Every other year, they were supposed to trade off. And looking ahead, you're like, wow, okay, that's going to be billions and billions of dollars. But something happened. And it was not just COVID. The Last Jedi. The fallout from that. The Rise of Skywalker. All of these things came together in a perfect storm that led to, of course, Kathleen Kennedy at the head of it all, destroying a franchise. So much so that now you have very little interest in the franchise, or at least not nearly as much interest, not to the same degree by any means. You've lost a pretty large portion of your audience. But Avatar is still here. So the question is, will Avatar see the same type of fallout or not based on the reviews that i'm seeing from these diehards it doesn't sound like it will because it sounds like if you can get distracted by pretty lights you will enjoy this movie and that's what bothers me john evan bear do you think the super mario's brother movie will be the biggest box office hit of 2023 no um i don't do i think it'll be a box office hit yes uh but i'm still of the mindset it will not make a billion it'll make a lot but I don't think it's going to make a billion dollars. Rob D, what is going on? Welcome. Jake D. Buck. Yeah, uh, Tina is dealing with uh, her, again, praying for Tina for her eyes. She's having a lot of eye issues since her trip, towards the end of her trip when she got back. And uh, and Steph takes Tuesdays off because she's got work. So, uh, Bruce, I, say, I told my wife it looked like a rehash of Avatar 1. It just seems like it'll be a bigger scale. Yep. And, and maybe some small variations and differences from, from what I'm gathering from, from what's been said. By the way, Bruce, thank you so, so very much for the Christmas card. I really do appreciate it, man. And for the $100 super chat in real life, super chat. Um, thank you so much, man. I just wanted to say thank you. And thank you also for the cards with the prayers and the uh, bookmark as well. Means a lot, man. You're awesome. Much love to you and the wife. All right, chat has jumped on me like it always does. Please smash that like button, like that fire button as well. It's 7.57 in the real world. Thank you again for joining me this evening. Let's head back over to Rumble, and let's see. Raffles tagged to say, the only way that Nirvana, the only way that the Nirvana they want comes true is 95% depopulation or Musk gets off his, his butt and starts working on a fusion star drive. Um, yeah, and there are a lot of things that have happened the last several years, uh, I think, leave people to thinking, hey, there might be something else going on. That's why the I've been following the, the, the Twitter files, right, the Twitter file releases, a lot of damning stuff. I can't wait to see, and I think it's coming soon, because two major players have been restored on Twitter. Dr. Robert Malone who is one of the originators of mRNA technology, and also Dr. Peter McCullough, who was famous for his McCullough protocol, which resulted in treatment very early on. Now, of course, you should always consult with your own doctor before any decisions are made, but it's beautiful that on Twitter now, 
you can say things, you can mention certain items, right? You can mention certain protocols and not have to worry about being banned for, quote, misinformation. When all you're doing is saying, no, this is the data. This is what helped me. I think I've mentioned this previously. It was a lot of what's in the McCullough protocol when I personally got the coof that led to me by day three being well enough to mow my lawn. That's just a personal experience. All right, I had a positive little test. You know, you had your little test, right? I had a positive little test. Had symptoms that were not the, the common symptoms that most people had, but elevated heart rate, pretty scary. Uh, had vertigo and, and just was bedridden really for the first day. It hit me really bad. Started that protocol or part of that protocol. By day three, I was mowing my lawn. Now again, consult with your own doctors. Consult with your own doctors. But because of them being brought back, I would not be surprised if there's going to start to be some releases about COVID on Twitter. If the next Twitter files or one of the next Twitter files is about COVID, that I think will be a very interesting thing. What did they know? What did they not know? What were they saying behind the scenes? I want to know. JKD Buck, that is anathema. Pray it never happens. Rob D says, do you think Strange World's failure completely offsets Wakanda Forever's success? Um... If we go movie for movie, yes, because $200 million loss versus most likely $100 million gain, still having a net loss. So, yes. Jonathan Baird had to say, as much as I want Top Gun Maverick to beat Avatar 2, I have a feeling Way of the Water will make more money. I do, too. I do, too. That's why, right now, my early projections for Avatar 2 is $1.5 to $2 billion. Some say, it'll never do that. Don't <laughs> One, don't underestimate the power of... Of, of the stands. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying anyone who liked the first Avatar film or who's going to see this and wants to see this as a stand, but there are James Cameron stands who, who worship the ground he walks on, who, who, who love all the new things he's doing technologically. And I think that those people are going to show up in, in droves to go try to support this. And with China, Rio, again, China's reopening just in time for this movie. Now, there's a correlation there. It, it's no proof of causation at this point, but I think there's a lot of evidence to say that there's probably something there. With, again, the film itself coming out just this week, them lifting their restrictions just this week, maybe last week officially, in lieu of, in preparation for this release, their own technology that they developed being on display and use, of which they're getting royalties from, also them getting 75% of whatever box office receipts they get on top of all of that. Again, you can do the math on that. You can do the math on that. Ambrose Chamberpot, what's going on? General Wingster, trying to say, which do you hate more, Avatar or Endgame? Avatar. I, I hate both. I wouldn't want to rewatch either of them ever again. Um... But definitely Avatar, specifically because with Endgame, that's a film that there are still some people who will support it, who will defend it. But I feel a lot more people have kind of woken up to the, the really bad story that is Endgame, more so than with Avatar. Um, I think way too many people are still kind of mesmerized by the world of Pandora and of James Cameron and the aura of James Cameron. And also, I think about long-term impacts. I think Avatar had a much worse long-term impact on movies than Endgame did. 
Nathan Slade tried to say, Good Lord, imagine all the great low to mid budget films that could be made from that $350 million. I swear I wish I didn't need, I, I didn't feel the need to feel cynical, but life always throws something at me. Well, again, I am the critic who is a cynic, but I also, I, I look at it also as being realistic as well, right? And you're, you're absolutely right. That, that money could be used for so many other better things. Now, that could be said about a lot of other things, but when it comes to entertainment specifically, yeah. Imagine if that $350 million was put into the hands of Martin McDonough, who directed The Banshees of Anishrin. Imagine if that money was put into the hands of other capable indie artists. Not to do a massive big budget film, right? That, that's what happened with Eternals, right? You took Chloe Zhao, who had a couple of, again, good releases, a couple of good films, Gave her a crap ton of money and then said, hey, do a big budget film. That's that's not how it works. But just imagine if you were like, hey, what's your passion? What do you want to do? Instead of saying to James Cameron, of all people, who is the last person that needs this money, right? To say, oh, do whatever you want to do, James Cameron. We're just going to throw money at you. Because remember, originally it was, hey, here's a billion dollars, make four or five Avatar films. Then it became, oh, wait, this is costing more. So that 250 that it was supposed to cost is now up to 350, 400 million before marketing. So basically they said, yeah, James Cameron, we want to make your dreams come true. Imagine how many other creators... For much less money, too. Like, you could go to one of these indie directors and say, how much money do you need to make the project you've always wanted to make? And they'd probably be like, 40 million? 20 million? I think about that scene from It's a Wonderful Life. When he's trying to, trying to you know, keep the building and loan open. And people are, you know, it's the, it's the bank run. And so they're all like, I got all my money here. I, I, you know, hey, how about you just take whatever it is that you need to survive? And you have that one woman who comes up and says, could I have 1750? I think that was the number. And it was just like, imagine if you had that. Imagine if you had that type of humility receiving money to create projects. How many new things you could create. Instead, what do you create? You've created a technology that's only going to be able to use by the highest paid directors, by, by, by the biggest companies, by the biggest studios. And for what? To make soulless non-narrative, non-story-driven films? We had enough of that after the first Avatar. <laughs> Lord knows we don't need it again. But it's a great point. Victor Fontaine, do you know the storyline of Avatar? Chris Gore gave away what it was on Gary's stream. Uh, no, other than what I've gathered from the early reviews and from the basic synopsis, I, I don't, but it sounds like there's a lot of similarities. Jess Pena, yeah, the Trump stuff killed the movie for me as well. Yeah, talking there about uh, Black Klansman. Yeah, again, everything was really cool up until then. <laughs> okay, environment is a theme, but it's not what it's about. Please, please. Okay, you know, actually, you know what? Video archive, I saw that comment. I will defend that. I will defend that. You're right. It wasn't about that. It was about James Cameron trying to say, how can I make myself look like the most brilliant filmmaker of all time. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't about environmentalism. It was about James Cameron. There you go. I'll give you that one. Gunner, what's up? Mark Lizeth, which Sam drew more of your compassion? Sam Fried arrested in the Bahamas or Sam Britton losing his job for stealing women's clothes? <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm 
Not even going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole. Rob D., the week two results for Avatar are in. You are the father. Wait, wrong show. J.K.D. Buck, Red Letter Media did a really good review of, ti- of Titanic. And near the end of it, they talked about how Cameron plays to the middle and hasn't taken a risk in years. He makes money, movies, nothing else. Mr. Roy, what's going on? Master of Gaming, Gods of Egypt, and Terminator Genesis are examples of terrible, expensive films. Yep. J.K. Buck, yes, the Holdo Maneuver gave me a seizure. Yeah, definitely. Anyone who has light sensitivity should never, ever see that sequence. But it is still objectively a beautiful sequence. Apologies that happened to you. Great Wuda. I wish I lived in Portland, Oregon, because some theater there is showing From Russia With Love, License to Kill, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and Goldeneye this month. A lot of theaters are starting to do that. Hardwick, from in, for Indy 5, ILM used deep fake tech to replace Harrison's Ford face with real footage of his younger self. Ford says it's the first time he's ever seen de-aging look completely convincing. Well, I would say I would say Ant-Man 1 was the first. Crisco, I like Avatar. I'm looking forward to seeing Avatar 2 with my friend over the holiday season. I'm so sorry. Crisco, again, you are entitled to like the things that you want to like, to want to see the things that you want to watch. But I'm going to sit from the sidelines and judge you. <laughs> uh, Miss Martin uses eyesight. Yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of people also can't enjoy this film because the, of the 3D, because of the frame rate. It, it messes with people's heads. It gives people headaches. It's not very inclusive. One could even say it's ableist. Uh, Jeremiah Fair, time to say, I think Avatar will make $500 million opening. And if there's nothing to watch this Christmas, which will boost its numbers. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of smaller films that are going to be released, but yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot of new big budget films to go up against it. Really, the one thing to go up against it is the modern state of movies. You need to create a film that people actually want to go see. When you look back to Spider-Man No Way Home, that is a film that gave fans something that they actually wanted, and it gave them that sense of escapism that was character-driven. By the very fact that you had these former Spider-Men come back character driven to the to the extreme can anyone honestly say that this film's going to be character driven who, who, who are the characters names I, I remember Jake Sully only because a good friend of mine used to make fun of the film when it first came out and going Jake Sully the characters are going to be forgettable just like they were in the first film and it's like, well, you haven't seen the movie yet. Yes, but I've also heard what everyone's been saying about the movie. And guess what? The story is not anywhere near the top five, top ten things they've mentioned. Hardwick. The first actress played a lead role was Helen Holmes in 1910. I have no idea what that's a reference to. Jez Pena. I watched John Carter this past weekend out of curiosity. Um, Jez Pena. Why'd you, why'd you double post? It's 748 in the chat. Uh, did you like Guardians trailer? I think it looks amazing and will be huge. I love the first and second was okay. Um, I, I have seen it and the trailer is... Here's the thing. People say it looks amazing. It looks like a generic Marvel trailer. It looks like every other Marvel trailer that's ever been released. Now, I think people are enjoying it because they like the characters and like the actors that are portraying those characters. And I, I understand that because I also thoroughly enjoyed the first Guardians film. I don't think the second one's very good. I I have never desired to see the second one ever again. First one I will go back to. Second one, not so much. So I have a lot of dudes about it. Also, with the current state of the MCU, I have a lot of 
I have a lot of problems thinking and having any trust that it's going to be good. And for anyone that's going to be like, but James Gunn, but James Gunn. Yeah, he also did The Suicide Squad, and I hated that movie. J.K.D. Buck, the movie Titanic took longer than sinking of the actual Titanic. Hardwick, uh, multiple actresses who played actresses in 1940. Oh, my goodness. Hardwick, I don't, that's nothing to do with what we're talking about today. So, uh, (laughs) please. Donovan Bear, I don't get why people get so depressed after watching Avatar because of how beautiful it is. Yes, it looks beautiful, but I feel nothing. I did watch the movie years after the fact. Well, yeah, because it's it's soulless. <laughs> that's that's why. It's got no it's got no heart. It is just a CGI fest. It's it's James Cameron ego on full display, and that's what this new one's going to be. Four hundred million dollars worth of it, according to the projections. Jeremiah says, I have never felt so forced to see a movie in a theater like this. Everyone is saying I have to watch it in 3D premium and I'm waiting for reviews, but I'm feeling I'm missing out. There's a the thing. Don't do not let FOMO do not let that fear of missing out ever be the reason to go see a movie. All right. I went to go see the first Avatar film in IMAX 3D specifically because I wanted to be sure that whatever opinion I had of the movie, I had the best experience so that no one could say, oh, but did you see it the way it was supposed to be seen? Because ultimately, there's this. If the film cannot stand on its own in a 2D version, or if there is a massive difference between the two, that should tell you all you need to know about whether the film is good or not. And I use Top Gun Maverick as an example. Top Gun Maverick was phenomenal. That was a film I think people should see and should have seen in theaters, in IMAX. I did, and and it blew me away. Guess what, though? Watched it at home on my much smaller screen, still blown away. That's the sign of a good movie. Doesn't matter the size of the screen. Doesn't matter the technology. You just enjoy the movie because it's a good movie, because it's enjoyable, because the images are, are actually compelling. They serve a purpose. Whereas with films like Avatar, whereas films and settings like Pandora, all that's meant to be done is look at all the pretty stuff. Look at all the beautiful character and, 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 and visual designs that we have. Doesn't translate nearly as well on a smaller screen. Also shows us the film then not as very not as good. Just saying. All right, it's 8.13. Don't worry, I will be getting to my thoughts about the Banshees of Anishirin. Victor Fontaine, I was hoping you and VR could come to common ground on the box office numbers, the reason I keep tagging both of you. And again, I think there is definitely stuff that we agree on in principle. It's just, it really comes down to the metrics that we use. We just disagree. All righty then. CF Productions, what's going on? Hardwick... Uh, do you think there's much chance of you watching Metropolis and The Rocketeer this year? This year, there's always a chance. Metropolis is always one of those movies that's on on the foreground, but you never know. Uh, Treblick, <laughs> I just saw, I like the cut of your jib. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Hardwick, I meant 2023 by this year. I, okay. Uh, J.K.D. Buck, you know there will be a scene where humans are dumping plastics in the ocean on Pandora. You know there will also probably be a scene where they are using their tails with animals and then using their tails to make love. 
That doesn't raise questions. Jacob Lanoff says, looking at an old trailer of Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie Last Action Hero, one of the worst movies ever made seriously. Bruh. Last Action Hero is fantastic. What are you talking about? That movie is, is, is fantastic. I think that movie was actually ahead of its time. So yeah, Productions, the sequel trilogy is worth mm, one quarter portion. Yes, I see what you did there. Jeremy Zukowski, the only movie I am really looking forward to this year is Skin is Shin Ultraman. Oh, there's too many Ultramans. <laughs> I've never seen them, but every time I look for like Blu-ray sales and everything, they're always there. Uh, I've been waiting for the movie to come to the U.S. months, and now the wait is almost over. Well, I'm happy for you. Uh, let's see, Jake Eddie Buck 76, Dr. McCola. He's named after the ERP software. I see what you did there. Mowing the actual long or the uh, or the metaphor? No, actually going outside and mowing a lawn. Top Gun Maverick is greater than Avatar. That is a fact. Fact, 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 fact. Endgame, more like end lame. Agreed. Agreed. Very much agreed. All right, back over on Rumble. What is your favorite movie of all time? Um, I, I tend to go between three of the all times, 12 angry men. It's a wonderful life and Casablanca. But then I also have in the mix other films from different eras back to the future trilogy, because it's all one movie in my head. Lord of the Rings extended edition trilogy is up there for me. Uh, more modern films would be films like Nightcrawler. Whiplash is fantastic as well. Um, and those are, those are just the ones that are popping into my mind at the moment. I'm sure there are, are a plethora of other ones as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, Eduardo. Thank you very much for being here. Yes. Your boy, Gimli. <laughs> What's up, your boy, Gimli? Hardwick, while the DH Michael Douglas and Ant-Man looks real in terms of not looking digital, he doesn't look like the actual 1980s Michael Douglas. His China- Yes, but as you just mentioned, he does look younger. It, it looks realistic. JKD Buck, Slab of Lard 2 won't hit a billion worldwide. I'm calling it now. Are you talking about if you're talking about Avatar, bruh, I'm I'm just gonna say right now. Again, I want it to fail, but objectively I recognize the film is gonna make a lot of money. Just gotta put it out there. Jess Pena, it's all good, man. It happens. Uh, did a fifth grader write Guardians of the Galaxy 2? My 71-year-old mom. Yeah, it certainly seems like it. Uh, CF Productions, yeah, I'm concerned that Guardians 3 is going to disrespect Star-Lord's character just to take a jab at Chris Pratt. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Hardwick, my comments about Helen Holmes, Pearl White playing action leads in 1910s and others playing them in the 40s was regarding the recent Jennifer... L- okay, we're not talking about that. It's <laughs> good gracious. And now you're talking about Patty Jenkins. All right, so Hardwick, I'm cutting you off. I'm cutting you off tonight, sir. You're, you're being off topic. Uh, YouTube me. Also, most of the beauty of Maverick is that it's real. The fake stuff is forgettable, but what you love about the movie is real. Exactly. Exactly. You've got it. Uh, Jeremy Fair. I say, did you see the Spider-Verse trailer as someone who was adopted from Africa? I felt the mother's dialogue was forced, but I live, I live, I like the first one, but horrible. Yeah, so I, here's the thing. I have a love-hate relationship with Into the Spider-Verse, the first one. Because though I, I like the story, the animation drove me nuts. Not the actual character design, but the way the characters moved. It was such an unnatural motion, it did not look good. Like the whole time I was just like, stop it. I was like, who did this? Who, who, who made that choice? I was, like, I was like looking around mentally. I was like, who the hell made that call? 
Like, you have these beautiful images being rendered, and you have them moving like that? Something tells me that this new one's probably going to do the same exact thing. Jacob said, Titanic shows up a lot uh, on a lot of critics' uh, critics' greatest movies ever made. What is your What is your favorite James Cameron movie? Uh, favorite James Cameron movie. E- oh, Terminator 2. Easily. T2. T2. And then Rob D says, were you ever into Lego sets? Uh, yeah, kind of. Kind of, sort of. Not, not enough to be able to, to have, like, a specific set in mind. But I loved, I did love playing with uh, Legos when I was younger. King of Rumshik says, how much does Jeremy think Avatar 2 will make? I haven't talked to him about that. So my thought is... <laughs> He will probably, he thinks most big films will make a billion dollars. It's interesting how he thinks that for most films. And then um, the one he doesn't is, is Black Panther. And it was funny because someone in the comments section was like, uh, Jeremy was right. You were wrong. I was like, well, one, I never said it was going to make a billion. I said it had a chance to based simply off of how much it had made over the, uh, over the first two weeks of its release. It had the potential to do if it had strong legs. It didn't end up having strong legs. And that's something you can only know over the course of time. And the film still fell within the range that I had for it. And likely will end somewhere between 8 and 8.50. But my guess is that he will think the film will make... I I assume he's going to think at least a billion. Um, But as I said, I think $1.5 to $2 billion is most likely going to be the the end point for, for that film. All right. So I'm going to give my thoughts now about <laughs> now for something completely different. So I was finally able to see this film. This is a movie that some people, very few people have have too much interest in. But it was a movie I was very hyped for. I found out about this quite late um, and was very excited when I found out that it was going to be having a release near uh, at my local theater. This is a film that was directed by Martin McDonough, also was the writer. This guy has done some of my favorite uh, dark comedies. Um, what Probably my favorite of his work is In Bruges. He did the film In Bruges. If you've never seen it, it it's, it's phenomenal. Grabbing the 4K right now. Because I was happy to find it also. It was released on 4K. So this movie right here, maybe you've seen the, the cover for it. But it's phenomenal. Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Ray Fiennes, all in it. And it's it's one of the best, one of the best dark comedies that I've that I've ever seen. So I found out that he was making Banshees of Anishirin and it was coming out this year, and that once again, Brandon uh, Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell were going to be starring in it. And so I was like, okay, dark comedy, you know, or rather in the, in this case, it says black tragic comedy. And I was watching the special features for it, and I think one of the actors, one of the one of the persons, I forget whether it was the director or whether it was Colin Farrell, described to say the first movie that they did together, right, in Bruges, was a um, was a dark comedy with dramatic, serious moments, whereas this one is a drama with uh, black comedy moments. Because I will say, the first thing is, if you go into this as a fan of In Bruges, or if you've seen In Bruges, or if you liked In Bruges, you may not like this one as much if you're expecting that kind of film. Because this film, um, it has those comedic elements in it. And Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson work so perfectly together. Uh, you know, Martin McDonough was made very clear. He, he wrote this movie with these two actors in mind. He, he wrote these characters 
with only these people in mind. In fact, one of the characters played by Brendan Gleeson in the film plays the fiddle. And in real life, and I, I just found this out, in real life, Brendan Gleeson actually does play the fiddle. So there's parts of the film where you're, you're seeing the character he plays, of Colm, uh, you know, playing the fiddle, and it's actually him. He's actually doing it. And I, I thought that, again, that was just incredible to see. This also stars uh, Carrie Condon, who I've seen her in other things before, but I, again, I didn't recognize her completely. Uh, for those that, that is, she's the voice of Friday in various films from the MCU, um, but she was in Better Call Saul for a bit. Also, she was in Rome. I never got to see Rome. Uh, and then also uh, Barry Coffin was in the movie as well. Most people probably will recognize him uh, as he is uh, the new iteration of the Joker from, from the Batman movie. Um, that, that scene that's that, that got cut from the actual film itself. And he is a very, very talented actor as well. The first time I saw him was in a film called the green Knight. Another really, uh, interesting. I, I didn't like that one nearly as much as this one. So you have a wonderful cast of characters. The basic premise is that you have these two friends played by Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson's character decides he doesn't want to be friends with Colin Farrell anymore. He says, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And he asks, why? Why? Why don't you be my friend? Because you're dull. <laughs> it's basically like, I don't want to be your friend because you're dull. All our conversations are meaningless. You talked two hours the other day about what you found in your mini uh, horse's poop. And I, I would rather spend the time writing music and doing other things other than wasting my time with you. And it's like, whoa, okay, that's harsh. Like that's a, Within the first 10 minutes of the movie, you're like, okay. This guy is just ending the friendship. And the way Colin Farrell plays this role is brilliant because the character is definitely not the brightest bulb in the bulb, uh, in the bunch. You know, he, he clearly is, you know, when he says dull, he doesn't just mean boring. He, I think he's also indicating that he is just not a bright person. And it's very clearly the case as you watch his character through the film, because things happen that are very obvious to the audience that Colin Farrell's character takes just a little bit extra time to actually understand. And this is in the trailer, so I don't feel like it's really uh, spoiling much of anything. But for those that maybe like to go into films, especially more indie films blind, you, you may want to maybe pause for, for the, you know, or mute for the next, you know, few seconds. But uh, Colin Farrell's character does not quite get it, continues to try to talk with him. He says, don't bother me anymore, or I'm going to do something drastic. And he decides, okay, if you bother me again, I'm going to start to cut off one of my fingers from my fiddle hand. And he ends up following through. And so it's just an interesting dynamic between these two, right? Of a friendship that has fallen away. Something that I think all of us can connect with in some way, right? When friendships just fall apart. Um, so you have that dynamic going on. You then also have this interesting backdrop where this is on a, a fictitious island. So it's supposed to be an island off the coast of Ireland, but it's it's fictitious. Uh, in Eastern, right? It's not a real place. Shot on Ireland, on location. All of the, by the way, the cinematography, all of the visuals for this film are freaking gorgeous. The one criticism I have is that there's an opening shot of Colin Farrell's character walking along the sea. And there's what looks to be a very fake rainbow. <laughs> I was like, come on, you've got this beautiful background, this natural, natural cliffs, natural water. Uh, be this, again, the beauty of Ireland. And you're going to put this this fake rainbow? What the, come on, man. Now, obviously, it was done to try and show, oh, his life is really great right now. Rainbows, sunshine. 
and then he finds out what's going on and and of course that that leads him you know down down you know a very you know dark path all these individual characters though they all have something to play right even the the very smallest of characters who have only uh, brief lines they have enough to where they have a, a clear character a clear motivation you know who they are you know who they care about what they care about and it's always great in writing when you can pick up on those those subtleties right when a typically supporting character that's in the background actually is a fleshed out character but with very minimal screen time that takes a very uh tempered hand it takes a very um it, it takes a very skilled hand to be able to pull that off so you have all of these amazing actors going in together. This this really incredible, dark, but but also interesting story. Also with the backdrop of it being set during the 1920s, during the Irish Civil War. So off the coast, you're constantly hearing uh, fire. You're hearing weapons, explosions, right? And all of it's also meant to be reflective of their friendship, right? Just as the the peoples of Ireland were falling apart, right? We're, we're, we're you know, breaking a relationship, essentially. You have these two friends, breaking this relationship and the Banshees of Anishirin this comes in because there is one character played throughout the movie who is this creepy old woman but she's just a creepy old woman and there are these moments where there's insinuations of her being something else something more there's a really beautiful shot um, and I won't go into too much more detail on it because again I don't want to spoil too much about it but this beautiful shot where you'll know what I'm talking about it's it's on the cliffs one, it's amazing because it's on the cliffs and you're like, oh my goodness, this is an actual on-location, non-CGI shot. Oh my goodness, amazing. And you see something in the background and you know exactly who it is and what it is. And you're like, ah, I see what you're doing here. So this film has so much going for it. And I'm so happy. Uh, again, shout out to Searchlight who did send me a review copy uh, via digital download. Uh, it is available today on digital download. Um, however, of course, I am not being paid for this review, and they did not have to approve this approve this review before giving it, so these are my honest thoughts about it. And I've been honest about how the first time I saw it in theaters, I did fall asleep. But I also mentioned that it wasn't because of the film itself, it was because of, of me. I fall asleep in movies. It happens. I remember I fell asleep during Scorsese's Silence, saw it again, and now it's one of my favorite modern Mar Martin Scorsese films. And so if you go into it knowing that this is going to be a drama with black comedy elements to it, I think you will be uh, prepared for the pacing of the film, which is very well paced. It's not overly long either. It's about 114 minutes long, so just under two hours. And again, it is honestly just so refreshing. And if for anything else, just to see the beauty that is Ireland, it's so sad to see what's going on in that country today. Um, all the changes that they've gone through, you know, so socioeconomically, politically, etc. But it's nice to know that you can kind of look at these things and say it's still a beautiful place. And this, this, this one frame you see on screen right now, this poster, I think, also really encompasses the the emotions of of it. Right? You, you have these two people, one of which wants to leave the other one behind, thinks the other one is a drag on their life, and the other one doesn't want to let it go. Right, you see that almost already. You can see in this poster this, this that sense of longing, right, of that other friend, and uh, it's it's fantastic. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, interesting here. I don't follow a lot of the award shows because screw those. Apparently, it 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 leads. Well, that actually makes me happy. 
It leads, not that the Golden Globes matter, eight nominations to Golden Globes, including Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. It always l- makes me laugh when those two are put together because musicals are not necessarily comedies. And also, this film is a drama. There are comedic elements to it, dark comedy, but this film is absolutely a drama. This is how they are able to get all these... Again, if you don't know what the Golden Globes are, they are a way for the Hollywood foreign press to get as many stars to show up as they can. That's why there was a terrible film starring Johnny Depp years ago called The Tourist that got nominated, and everyone was like, how the heck did this film get nominated? Oh, that's right, they wanted Johnny Depp to show up to the awards. Very different time, if you compare that to today's world. But anyway, Ben Davis, phenomenal job. Uh, Interesting, he has done uh, works like Kick-Ass. He also did Hannibal Rising. He also did Guardians of the Galaxy, Age of Ultron, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, and Eternals. Very interesting list of films there. Some good, some not so good. But I can confirm that the cinematography for this film is, is beautiful. It is very well put together. It only made $19.4 million. Don't know what the budget is for the film. I imagine it's probably quite small. But I can say this. If you've ever seen anything by Martin McDonough, you know that you are going to be getting a, a well-crafted film. A, a film that is is worth your time and is one that you will most likely enjoy. So I would highly encourage you to go see this film. I will give this film an A-. minus. I think that there's a lot to like about it. I definitely think that there are moments where the story does slow, but luckily those moments are, are, are purposefully done, and in the long run, they help set up for and help create an atmosphere that feeds into the moment, that feeds into the emotion of the actual moment itself. And I love how directors, or I love when directors and writers are able to use time and space in such a way where they become a part of the character of the film and having again the beautiful coast of of, of this island of uh, off the coast of ireland um is also just quite phenomenal so an a minus strongly would recommend people to, to check this out if they can and again it's on digital media i really hope and pray that it gets a a fully featured um physical media release soon um obviously this thing is still getting uh in, you know still in theaters as it says right here um, uh, the film was released on rental PVOD today and is scheduled. Okay, good. Scheduled to be released on Blu-ray and DVD on December 20th from uh, 20th Century Studios Home Entertainment. The film was released on Disney Plus as a part of the Star Content Hub in Canada, for those wondering. Uh, sad that it's not going to get a 4K release, though. I, I would actually really love to see the images on, on screen uh, in the full 4K. Um, but anyway, with that being said... Uh, we're at time. Let me see any last-minute comments here. Raffles tag to say you need to watch the guard. Uh, the guard. Brendan was great. Uh, was his co-star was unlikely FBI man. Yes. Okay. I I I I believe I've seen that movie. I I can't confirm because I know I've at least seen the the trailer for it and the poster for it. But I want to say I've seen it. And I, I I remember walking away liking it. Brendan Gleeson tends to be in films that that I enjoy. Um. So. Yeah, see, Jacob, I mean, Titanic shows up a lot as the greatest movie um, ever made list. Again, kudos to him. Guess what? There were a lot of practical effects that were put into that movie. Let's see. Hardwick, favorite James Cameron movies, True Lies. It, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Sam Blackburn, what's going on? Welcome. Um, let us see. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Any last-minute comments? 
Let's see. I believe that's about... Oh, Rob D. Has 20th Century Studio ever turned a profit? I don't think so. Well, that's just the thing is that 20th Century Studio, remember 20th Century Fox, It's more of its existence has been as 20th Century Fox versus 20th Century Studios. Um, so it's really hard to say. And ultimately, the, the studio is meant to be one that is, is not meant to be massive moneymakers. It's meant to give... This kind of goes back to the comment that actually was made by Nathan Slay. Shout out to Nathan Slay. Imagine if the massive $350 million to $400 million budget that they are wasting on Avatar were instead given to filmmakers like... Um, like that of the... You know, the, that, like that of Banshees of Anishrit, right? Like that of Martin McDonough. Or other um, filmmakers who are not known for just putting out films nonstop. I mean, this guy's filmography is is actually is, is quite small. And, and I think that that's a good thing. <laughs> Apparently, he originally got his start with plays, which is great. Um, by the way, it was shot mostly on Inishmoor, uh, the island of Inishmoor. So, uh, again, beautiful, beautiful location. Um, one thing that <laughs> I just found out by pulling it up. Oh, no. Okay, there's one bad thing about him. Uh, as it says, not wife, partner is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. <laughs> okay, well, you went down a peg in my book just a little bit, but luckily you are still talented as as a as a filmmaker and as a writer. Um, but yeah, his his films. He started off with a short film called Six Shooter that Brendan Gleeson's in. That's one I need to. I actually need to track down and watch. His first feature-length film was In Bruges, which was phenomenal. He then did, four years later, Seven Psychopaths, which was a lot of fun, dark comedy. Five years later, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, also fantastic. And then another five years later, The Banshees of Anishrin. So, he takes time between his films. He was an executive producer on The Guard. Someone had mentioned that. And I would definitely encourage people to check out the films that he has done. But anyway, welcome to dad mode. Falling asleep during movies, knowing when someone does the thermostat. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Taurus was nominated for Best Picture for the Golden Globes in 2011. Yep. As I said, as I said, the Taurus got nominated. And it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But anyway, Brendan opposite Don Cheadle. What's not to like? Exactly. Great cast. Yeah, for those that have not seen The Guard... Brendan Gleeson, Don Cheadle, great combination, um, great actors. So anyway, with all that being said, that is going to be a wrap for tonight's episode. Thank you also very much for joining us today. Again, the main takeaways are, yeah, uh, Avatar is expected to make bank, again, projected to make over $500 million in its opening weekend worldwide. It is also expected to have a massive release in China where they have conveniently lifted all of their restrictions or most of their restrictions just in time for this release. A film, again, that not only they're going to get a massive cut from financially, but also that is featuring their technology that they developed. Just have to be put, put that out there. And we also, of course, recognize this film needs to make a crap ton of money to break even and likely will be able to do so with my own projections being somewhere between $1.5 and $2 billion. Now, we, of course, will be waiting for the final uh, box office projections for the weekend to come out over the next day or two. And we will, of course, cover that here on the channel. And the last thing I want to mention, other than, of course, check out Banshees of Nishirin. Again, phenomenal movie. Um, but also, too, to remind ourselves that when it comes to the box office for 
avatar. Even though the number is going to be very high, we have to remember a couple things. One, the average ticket price is significantly higher today than what it was back when the first one came out. That is a factor. That is something that we need to take into account. And also, and I showed you the evidence of this, when you actually look at the show times for this movie, the only showing that has really any selling of seats, at least in my market, and every market's different, so some markets might be better sold than mine, are one, the IMAX showings, and two, the IMAX showings. All the other ones have just bits and pieces of people spread throughout. So, let's just say, it gets complicated. What we can say is that it's going to make a lot of money, it's going to make bank, and uh, I really wish it didn't, as you all know, I, I want it to fail, and if it does fail, I'll be very happy. But, hey, at least I am honest about my general thoughts. So, with all that being said, thank you all so very much for joining us today. Shout out to my people on Rumble, on Odyssey, and on YouTube. I have, uh, again, because of all the crazy stuff that especially happened on Sunday, uh, and also today there was crazy mix-up with other things going on. I've uh, still not been able to, I will record the December video, I promise. Uh, but again, shout out to Chris from the 80s, who is a supporter on Patreon for upping his membership. He has a YouTube channel called Chris from the 80s, so go ahead and check him out there. And uh, uh, here is my, once again, my November shout outs, which again, most of it is the exact same as, as the December. But with all that being said, thank you all very much for being here. A blessed Feast of St. Lucy, a blessed third week of Advent to everyone out there as well. Um, this Saturday... Chosen of Valhalla stream, so no evening stream this Saturday. We will have the Chosen of Valhalla stream with those that can join me. It's going to be tight because obviously there are a lot of people who are going on vacation and have a lot of things going on, anniversaries, birthdays, uh, you know, milestones, all kinds of stuff. So we'll, we'll see who shows up, but we will have from 12 to 3 Eastern time this Saturday, the Chosen of Valhalla stream with those that can make it. And uh, because the next weekend after that's Christmas, and so it's really the only thing that we can do. So anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. If you have any inkling or any desire to not see Avatar Way of Water and spend your money on it, I would recommend using that money on something else, like the Banshees of Anishrin, or even more so, in Bruges, which I still very much stand by because it's phenomenal. Anyway, you're all wonderful. Thank you all very much for being here this evening. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge special shout out to all of my November Patreon subscribe star and locals members at the Keeper of the Bifrost level and above. Starting off with Patreon with Father Luca Illick. Thank you very much, Father. Garrett Searles, Jaime Irie Hymason, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Laura, the Modern Major General Story, Orange Hat Reviews, who you can check out on YouTube at his channel, Orange Hat Reviews, Rosetta Allen, who also has a YouTube channel that you can check out at Eagle Writer, and Miss Martin Muses, who also has a YouTube channel, Miss Martin Muses, and of course, the amazing Empress of the Universe, Tina B, who you can check out at her YouTube channel, Tina B, where she hosts the show with Stephanie B, one of my mods and one of my Valkyrie, called Soup to Nuts. Check out Soup to Nuts, and it premieres pretty much every Friday. So again, shout out to all of my Patreon people. Also to all my Subscribestar people. Starting off with Matt317. Check him out on Twitch at Matt317. The R. Fast Reaction. Mr. Roy. J-Rod. The Beer Guru. And Zk-Man. And Zk-Man you could check out over at xtheboundaries.co to follow him uh, as he starts his podcast. And also uh, for many of his musical musings as well. 
check him out. Very, very talented guy. And then lastly, my locals piece, we got Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, How About a Hockey Player, UAB Mad Dog, Mike Jackson for the win, J.H. Schwalbach, Brett D90, and the amazing lore, <laughs> the amazing lawyer, Robert Barnes. Thank you all so very much for supporting me. And if you want your name shouted out at the end of every live stream and video, go ahead and check out the top link in the video description below where you get access to that. Also, you get access to special things like giveaways and also uh, exclusive podcasts I do with John the Flick, Big Flickinger and other guests throughout the month of November and in the previous and, and, and the, yeah, the months to follow as well. And again, if any of that sounds interesting to you, especially the 4K giveaways, Steelbook giveaways, some of them that I have to give away this month are films like Starship Troopers on 4K Steelbook, Top Gun Maverick on 4K Steelbook, amongst many others. If that sounds interesting to you, Check out the link and follow the instructions down below. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.